Welcome, travelers. We're aware that your journey was difficult, but prepare to have your questions answered, for you have been granted an audience with the Masters of Modern. And welcome back to Masters of Modern. I am your host, Alex Kessler here. With my co-host, Ben Bateman. What's going on, guys? Welcome back. We're back to talking about magic cards. And man, oh man, oh man, is that an exciting episode. Uh, so my one question for everyone is, do they like that I do the intro differently every time? Or would they like me to be more consistent? Uh, that's not for you. That's for everyone else. Okay, I won't answer. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. Wait, let me interrupt you. <laughs> oh, I have nothing to say. That we said something. Yeah. That doesn't work when we're recording. Yeah. So I did that to Ben earlier and he's now salty. But uh he literally today... he literally interrupted me and then stopped talking to think about what he wanted to say after wait, he wait, let me interrupt you. <laughs> uh so today we're talking about uh the Masters of Modern Podcast. This is the modern podcast on the internet. We talk about modern things and all the great stuff of the best magic, the gathering format modern. Uh I am Alex Kessler. And you can follow me on Twitter, you can follow Ben on Twitter, you can follow us on all these other places. But today we're talking about three color combinations and specifically the ones that are underrepresented. Yeah, the fringe ones. We've talked a lot about obviously Jun and Abzan and Grixis and and Jeskai over the years, but we started thinking about there's been a real push and interest in both Mardu and Sultai and to some degree Teemer and Esper. But uh, we wanted to talk about what are the things that are holding each of those archetypes back from breaking into big big time day twos and top eights. Um, because I know a lot of you guys have worked on these decks as kind of pet decks, and people have shared a lot of thoughts on the Facebook group, which, by the way, you should follow each of the Twitters, Alex mentioned, at Kess Wiley, at Ben Bateman Media, and at the MMCast. You should also go check out the Facebook group. It's the Masters of Modern Facebook group. It's the coolest place in the world. Uh, we've got Hagen Kirk over there moderating it now, and it's got 2,000 people in it. Yeah, it's crazy. We're, we're going through some growing pains right now. Yeah, so, that's unfortunate. But, but... Which is great. It's awesome. like definitely go co communicate with people there. It's really great. There's like if you ever want to get inspiration to build a cool deck or just like just like see like what are people talking about? What are things people find interesting? You know, ranking one drops. Any the conversations you guys have heard us talk about on here for like 300 hours. Go and find the Facebook group because I'll tell you guys, I get more inspiration to talk about subjects in modern from that group than anywhere else. It's just 2,000 like-minded people talking about modern. It's great. Um, anyway, guys, uh, last but not least, you know, be sure to check out Collected.Company. That's where you can find our podcast, our sister podcast, The Command Zone. Uh, Jimmy and Josh, they do game nights as well on YouTube. They have a lot of great content out there. We do have a Patreon. One of the listeners on 10 Minutes of Modern asked me about that. Uh, we, do, we do plug it every show, but reminding everybody here, patreon.com slash the MMCast. That's how we bought the, the gear we're recording on. You're hearing us talk through. It's true. Literally right now. Um, and then the very last plug, and I do this every show, but guys, this is a very special one because a lot's changed. Um, there is a daily show called the 10 Minutes of Modern Show on Anchor. And it's something that I had originally started doing as 10 Minutes of Magic. And it's basically Twitter meets podcasting. It's now become Daily Modern Contents, the official anchor station of the Masters of Modern. And the numbers are starting to grow. And the people that make the app are noticing. And they're telling us that if we get those numbers up, so if you listen to the content through the app, not through links, but you actually listen to the app, they're going to start get, giving us stuff to give away, actual modern staples. And I think in December, I'm going to be giving stuff can I, away. Can I win stuff? If you want to call in. Okay. You've never called in, you traitor. Have I not? No, you call me. Well, it's your station now, too. Yeah. You get to be the other name yeah, on it, so you yeah, don't have I to get call called. In. Yeah. I don't call people. <laughs> they call me. Uh, but anyway, guys, yeah, that's the thing is if you download Anchor.fm and you call in and you, and you keep supporting the station, we're going to like just start giving away modern staples. Like with December is going to be filled with modern staples. So do that because it helps keep the thing going. Anyways, 
I think those are all the plugs, all the shout outs, all the things. Right. Uh, 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 you, everyone, keep an eye out. And if you want to go check out for specifically, we sold two things to thinkgeek.com, my game company that Ben works for and I started last year. And the first one was Emergent Genesis. If you uh, are familiar with Brian David Marshall, you can see him right now on the Magic Pro Tour on twitch.tv. Uh, P.S. The Magic Pro Tour is happening today. Um, and and he released a game two, uh, a year ago called Emergent Genesis, and it's currently at thinkdeek.com. It's a superhero deck-building game where you get to build your own superhero, create your own, you get a mentor. It's kind of like Commander meets Ascension. Uh, and then the other one is uh, Super Party Battle, uh, which should be up very soon. Keep an eye out, and keep an eye out on our social media for when we release it. Uh, it's a uh, party game that plays kind of like Magic the Gathering meets uh, a college campus where you're recruiting different stereotypes at clicks on, on campus and there's demons running the school and you're trying to throw the best party and have a good time. So check both of those things out uh, and keep an eye out for Super Party Battle because they're going to be super awesome Sick. on ThinkGeek.com. Cool. All right. Now. Let's get into it. Today's episode. So uh, uh, what, what are three-color combinations, Ben? Three-color combinations are, well... Three color combinations. <laughs> uh, the way yeah. we think about three color combinations in Magic is that uh, it's not just decks that are, are necessarily playing three colors in their seventy five. It's decks that are specifically making the choice to play a third color rather than just two, based on the reach that that color gives them in a combination of probably main deck and sideboard cards. And they tend to be mid range decks because even though like Naya decks have been aggressive and Bernie and stuff. That's one strategy, and that's well, how Naya plays. And I think I think it, the way to really, you know, modern has always been defined by these three color decks. And part of that is is it's they're kind of the inherent place to go to with the mana bases of modern being based on Shockland, Fetchlands. Yep. So going above three colors has always been really difficult because the life loss is really problematic, and there's no there's there's no real cost to go to three colors from two colors and as soon as you jump to three colors that opens up your sideboard slots that opens up the different powerful engine cards you can play in your deck that lets you splash different effective removal spells so there's no real reason not to be three colors in modern uh and you'll notice that there's been very few two color decks that have been super successful partly just because you don't need to be two colors and the ones that are are generally doing so because there's a colorless land that they're playing or, or there's some part of their mana base that makes it much more difficult for them to go up in, in, in mana sources. And so because of that, so much of the format has been defined that it and those strategies generally lean towards good stuff decks because you can play three different colors. Why not just play the best spells in all three of those colors? Yeah, that's that's definitely where it leans. Uh, good stuff decks are, are everywhere. And so, you know, the most prominent three in modern's history, I mean... Ever the most prominent three are definitely Abzan, Jund, and uh, Jeskai. Grixis in the last year, year and a half. Modern. In modern. Yeah, has yeah. really come on the scene and I would say has really kind of kicked Jeskai out of that spot. But uh, Not according to the SCG event yeah, from last yeah, week. There's like four Jeskai decks. But but I think Jeskai's gotten good recently because Control's good right now. I, th- I, think it's, I, think, I think the top four have classically been those four. And yes. then and if you wanted to throw a fifth, it would be Naya. And I, it's, but I it's, would it's see a Abzan, kind of deck. I would say Abzan, Jund, Naya... Um, Grixis, Grixis, and Jeskai, yep, are the five most played three color combinations in modern history. And Naya being mostly represented over the last two years by Burn, though uh, collected company Naya decks were definitely a thing. Big Naya decks were a thing early in the format. Zoo has always kind of been in and out depending on which day of the week it was. I would say six is probably Bant, and that's based on the fact that you have a Bant Eldrazi deck that's been good. You had versions of Infect that were Bant at one point, and you Bant also Nightfall. have Bant Nightfall now. Yep. 
and seven is or yeah. And then there's band collected company decks that have just been around forever. Yeah, and I think seven is probably teamer because because there was like at least a few teamer decks over the I years mean, that have there, been good. Scape shift teamer decks have always been kind of thing, and, and and we'll break down each each color combination really quickly for everyone in a second because uh, I realize we're just talking about colors and with if you don't know what the names are for the three color combinations, I definitely recommend looking it up. Uh, yes. This episode will be very hard to understand if you don't know that Teamer is blue, red, green, and Grixis is black, red, blue. Right. And we're definitely going to get, like, you know, especially in the bottom three, there's going to be some colors that even if you're familiar with modern, you know what Jund is, but you might not know what Mardum is or Saltai is. So, or Teamer specifically, because Teamer, Teamer and Saltai specifically are referencing color combinations that have had good names. Yeah. So like Bug and Rug. And rug because of the color combination, so sometimes people don't know that. But, but yeah. So after that teamer, you know, you had the scape shift decks that yep. that until Titan Shift kind of started being a thing were the main go to team, uh, you know, way of playing scape shift. And you had versions of Delver over the years, and yeah. and and there was there was teamer twin decks for a long right. time. Um, um, and I would say the teamer twin decks and the scape shift scape shift decks have been the two classic versions of this. Yeah, though. Uh, Eternal Command decks would probably be my like it's favorite really fourth place, but my yeah. favorite of those. I mean, that's a real deck people have played over the years. Well, but now, now they're playing the now it's Saltai, yeah. well, yep. which is the which is I think the next or no, we'll we'll get into that. But Saltai, where they um, are playing the new pirate. Yes, yes, it comes into play and exiles a thing, and then you can cast it later. Yeah, that's what I heard. So. Uh, but uh, after that, I would say it's probably Esper. Yeah. After Teamer, where Esper has never really been... That's blue, black, white. Yeah, there's never really been a defining color combination for Esper. Uh, there's never been a defining deck for it. There's been different decks that have played Esper. There was Esper Death Shadow. There's yeah. been uh, Grixis Death... I'm not sorry. Uh, uh, Esper Planeswalker decks. Esper Tokens. Esper uh, Gifts Given decks, but... Esper Mentor. People have tried to make that work for a long time. It's never really been able to define itself as what it was kind of doing, like the other colors that we mentioned. And yeah. then last but not least is... There's no, no, there's two more. Sorry. Last but not least are two color combinations. <laughs> uh, next, I would say, is probably Mardu uh, over Saltai. Uh, yeah. And with Mardu being red, black, white. And just because there's, there's been Aristocrat decks, there's been Burn decks that were modern. There's a period where instead of being Naya, they were Burn before Colligan's Command was printed because they were right. playing the flashback yep. black and red spell. and, and uh, Bump in the night. And Bob, a Dark Confidant on the deck. Uh, and then you get the salt eye which has just never really found a real footing in the format yeah never and, found a home some of that is a common we're going to talk specifically about these bottom three a lot today and, and salt i have very specific reasons why i think it has had problems um and we'll, we'll do, do you want to just get into it or do yeah wanna... i think we should just jump straight into it um so here's what i think we do I think the I think step one of this is to acknowledge that we're really going to focus on the bottom three today. We're going to focus on Esper, Saltai, and Mardu. And I think the idea here is that if you guys have tried building with these decks before and you've run into trouble, we want to try to identify what we think each deck is missing and what are the best few options to make it work. So I say we start with Esper because it's the eighth place one for us, uh, and we talk about what Esper decks have looked like and what they're missing and what we think they could have, what's out there. So in my opinion, right off the bat, I think Esper feels like a blue deck. It feels like a blue mid-range deck in the same way that Jeskai does, and it makes sense because it plays two of the same colors, but it is somewhere between wanting to play a sorcery game plan and a flash game plan. Yeah, well, it's like blue-white in the format has classically been very 
instant speed driven. Yep. Snapcaster Mage and Path to Exile being such a brutal combination together, plus just Snapcaster Mage in general being such an instant speed focus for blue, and white being able to supplement that with cards that are comparable, made that kind of work together. But then black is defined by sorcery speed spells. You have Thoughtseize, you have Inquisition of Kozilek, you have Collective Brutality. Uh, and so with that kind of dichotomy and add on top of that the layer that the best black-white spell in the format is Lingering Souls, really puts Esper into a jam. And do you want to be a sorcery speed version of the deck? And if you're going to be that, why then not just play Abzan? Or are you going to be an instant speed version of the deck? And if you're going to be that, why not just play Lightning Bolt? Exactly. And that's and that's what the deck looks like. You just described kind of in a nutshell what Esper decks. Now, you have tried to build more Esper decks than most people I know. You've tried a lot of different versions. Telerio West is yeah. the best. Yeah. <laughs> and there's interesting things you can try to do. You know, I mean, one, one direction you can go is to take esper in the combo direction and play the sword of the meek combo in there it yep. lends itself well because of the colors involved and the fact that you do have steel shapers gift available so you can kind of get there um but at the end of the day what this deck really feels like is it needs to be a hard tap out control deck it either has to be a hard tap out control deck or you need to not worry about lingering souls as anything other than probably the card you'll win the game with it has to be basically your finisher and you just play a hundred percent the control game plan but if you're going to do that then it kind of just starts to feel like you're playing a Jeskai deck with worse cards. Right, and, and and that's why you need to look at what... And and that's the hardest conversation with this this entire episode is why am I doing this over other color combinations? And in, in Esper, so far, the really two different angles that I've seen that encourage you to have to be in this color combination, one is uh, Gifts Ungiven with uh, Unburial Rights. Yep. Uh, and that... Um, the problem just has, hasn't never been good enough. Uh, and for whatever reason, you know, that's just always going to be an issue. And then the other one is, uh, taking advantage of lingering souls with, and different value options. And personally, my favorite is thought scour and lingering souls. So like yep. those two color combinations, those two cards together force you into Esper. There's a reason to be there. And that's a powerful combination. Then yep. you get the play Tassiger. Then you get the play different ways to take advantage of the fact that, and you play collective brutality and there's just different ways to kind of really push lingering souls to the farthest level. And blue does offer tools to take advantage of that. And if that's the way to go about it, that makes sense. So my suggestions would be, play spirits i i think that i think the strongest thing you can do in esper if you really are trying to do something that no other com color combination is going to do as well is to go hard into planeswalkers i think you play a planeswalker deck and that and the reason is because i think those three colors in modern do represent the best planeswalkers the green and the red walkers are fine but they're nowhere near as good as the blue the white and the black i think green is the most underrated and red has the four mana Chandra with four abilities. I mean, they're it. both good. I'm just <laughs> saying, like, in terms of CMC versus sure. impact, you can build the most interesting deck in an Esper Walkers deck that the other ones are not able to take advantage totally. of. 100%. And I also think that it lends itself very well to a, to a sorcery game plan with cards like Lingering Souls because they protect your walkers so well. So mm -hmm. I think that that's probably the smartest thing to do. I mean, uh, the combination of the, two, the three mana Gideon and three mana Liliana, uh, or both three mana Lilianas, yep. and... Just four mana, the Jace Architect of Thought, and just a few other other good walkers in those colors is just a really powerful combination. Not to mention now with Gideon Tribal, Esper Gideon Tribal is something that's really powerful, and it is the reason behind that in Esper more than maybe Jeskai is because the tap out function of Planeswalkers allows you to capitalize on the sorcery speed black spells that you want to be capitalizing on. Yeah, the other one that I think people probably don't pay enough 
close enough attention to, and it still does kind of fit into the Planeswalker game plan, is Esper's a great place to play Bitter Blossom. It's a really good place to start with Blossom on turn two. Um, it, it's I would say of these decks, it's probably the one that you want that the most because we can you can lean into the with lingering souls and bitter, and blossom. bitter blossom. You have this really strong token theme. It makes you really like there are decks that will just wreck you if anyone yep. plays pyroclasm. You're just a sad panda. Yep. And uh, the the problem with bitter blossom in Esper decks classically is. Mostly the life loss issue, where right. if you're capitalizing on going long, Bitter Blossom can be a liability. Yeah, I mean, I, I think if there was an easy suggestion here, then Esper would be a better deck than it is. Sure. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah. no, no, yeah. The, this, these are the problems. I mean, I, I think the best thing that happened to Esper would be Stoneforge Mystic being banned. Yeah, and that would be great. That would that would be great. And I think if Stoneforge Mystic got unbanned, you would, you would absolutely lean into the Sword of the Meek plan, because, like, how could you not? Um, I don't know. I, uh, uh, the problem with sort of the meek plans are both pieces of that combo are a hard to find and b not that good without the other half. Oh, I just think if you were going to play an Esper deck and you had access to Stoneforge Mystic, where you didn't have to play Steel Shaver's Gift anymore in the deck, you were just playing a good card and you played like two copies of Sword of the Meek or something like that, sure. plus your Batter Skulls. How do you not just just like that seems? I, I want to cast Thoughtseize, then yeah. cast Stoneforge Mystic, searching for sort of feast and famine. Then on turn Cobble three, have Counterspell and or flash it in. So That's what I want to do. I think I think the last card to point out here that is unique that I have seen people toy around with and I think is cool is Ashiok. Yeah. Uh, I think Ashiok historically has been one of the underplayed powerhouses in modern. Um, that card's good. Card does a lot of good things. It gets big really fast. And I think it's difficult for people to interact with if you play it at the right time. And I definitely think that Ashiok is a card worth paying attention to. So my big suggestion to those listening who want to try out Esper, look at Ashiok and try to figure out what's the best thing you can be doing there. Because in my opinion, that's one of the missing pieces. Speaking of which. Yep. Uh, I mean, are we done with Esper? Yeah. Can we go to Saltar? Definitely. Cool. Uh, Todd Stevens, writer for SEG, pro player. Literally just wrote an article on Star City Games. It's on the premium side, so make sure to go pay for premium SCG, et cetera, et cetera. But uh, he just released an article talking about Saltai. And one of the uh, ideas he had was specifically a Saltai Planeswalker deck hmm. with Ashiok. Ashiok's good. Uh, Ashiok, Liliana, Nissa, blue-green one that you like. Yeah, I love and that Nissa, card. Nissa, three-mana one that makes plant tokens and other cards. Yeah, I mean, I, I read yep. that article. That, I that, that was... is like so. So I do think we talked to Esper as a really strong play because of really the existence of Gideon uh, for being the Planeswalker deck. But I actually think in the last five years, there's been a real push to make Green also have a pretty strong Planeswalker list. You yeah. have the two those two Nissas we mentioned in Blue Green. You have the original Garrick, which I think is still one of the most oh, underrated yeah. Planeswalkers of all time. Uh, you, you know, there's there's a lot of power in those colors now with Liliana and now with Blue. So I think that's definitely another angle you can go after here. But with Saltai, I think, you know, you mentioned before, what is it missing? What could we have in the deck? And I think we got some of that. I think with Fatal Push, with Black being able to be the removal spell color, because the biggest problem with this deck classically was you have the threats because you have Tarmogoyf, you have Bob, you even have Snapcaster Mage. So it's you have the three best two drops in the format available right. to you. The, you know, White doesn't have its two drop and Red doesn't. So it's not a lacking of two drops that this deck has. What the issue was was removal. 
without Path and without Lightning Bolt, this deck couldn't kill things. And now with Fatal Push and Collective Brutality and Abrupt Decay, that's a, a removal suite that really can handle pretty much most things you're going to really need to be worrying about, plus Maelstrom Pulse for bigger things. The removal issue is no longer the problem, but as soon as we got that good removal suite, Graveyard Hate decided to just rear its ugly head, forcing Tarmogoyf to no longer be that good. Yeah. I mean, let's let's break down exactly the difference between, say, Sultai and the other two big black green X decks. Because people have some 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 inkling in their head, well, this is a black green X deck that's playing the best blue card in the entire format. So how does it not just be better? Like how is it not just good? And what you just said makes sense. You know, you could there's there's interesting stuff you can do. The problem is the the green decks historically have taken advantage of your great two drops, right? Like you mm -hmm. just said. So, and this deck, if you're going to make room for, let's just say, bare minimum, four Snapcaster Mages and maybe like, I don't know, like four. Let's just say you made room for like four Serum Visions, and that's what you were doing. That's the that's uh, the, I would play. It. Well, okay, or yeah, Opt sure. or something, uh, what, yeah. whatever. But like, you're maybe eight cards, eight to ten cards. What ends up happening is like you still kind of want to be a tap out deck like the others would be like you want to be a mid-range deck but you're trying to like snapcaster mage gets a little less good if you're not playing at an instant speed and it's not that advantageous to just like flash back the spells in your deck anymore because uh it, like it, it feels like you could be doing something so much better with the other black green x decks you don't actually get as much reach just by adding blue as i think people would want you do get creeping tar pit which is really powerful sure it, and part of it is also look at what Jund and Abzan do and why they would see play more than Saltai. Jund gets Lightning Bolt and it gets Raging Ravine, which means it has a better reach game plan. Yep. It's going to kill their opponent better than other decks are going to play it. And and that's just a big deal. Being able to get reach with Lightning Bolt, being able to just top deck a Lightning Bolt and kill them. Having Raging Ravine, which is the second, if not the second best man land uh, I mean, after, snapping after a, Celestial snapping Colonnade. Snapping a Fatal Push is great. That's that's exciting. And sure, that's... but that like killing, removing people is something, but like now Jund has Lightning Bolt and, and, and Fatal Push available to it, and Junk has... Fatal push and, and path and Grixis can bolt snap bolts you just like Jessica right. can and then and then if you look at Abzan Abzan is the better at grinding because of lingering souls you have these double threats every card you're playing kind of does two things and it has township so both of those decks are doing this one specific thing and then you look at Saltai and the blue green hexproof manland is fine but not that exciting because it just gets stopped by everything the uh, Black Blue, the the Creeping Tar Pit, which is probably the best one of the choices here, is killed by everything. <laughs> so uh, let's talk about what, what we think Sultai needs to establish its own identity. The first one for me is I think people have to realize that playing Jace Rin's Prodigy is better than playing Snapcaster Mage in a Sultai deck. That's, the, that's my first thought. I think it actually makes more sense on game plan. I don't think you gain very much by Snapcaster Mage being instant speed. There is some interaction there, so maybe you play one Snapcaster. But I think the biggest thing to lean into is that Vryn's Prodigy is what this deck wants. It represents the card selection that you're effectively playing Snapcaster Mage and Serum Visions to get anyway. Not to mention you also get the flashback, and it's defensive. I, and it just, to me, it just feels like you don't... You want to be able to play a two-drop on turn two in this deck... You don't want to hold back your Snapcaster Mage to flash back a piece of removal or a Serum Visions. That's not that powerful. Sure. Rin's Prodigy is a lot more powerful in a Sultai deck. 
yeah, I, I, I don't necessarily disagree with you. I, I, I do think there, there's a difference between on turn three being able to do the thing you want to do immediately, especially because what I would put in Saltire are mostly one drops that we wanted to flash back with Snapcast Image versus having to wait for a Jace to turn on. I think you want some type of five card split between the two. Uh, of a 2-3 or a 3-2, depending let, on Let me give you another scenario that, that I think makes Rune's Prodigy so much better. All right, so turn one, you thought sees your opponent, right? Both decks, probably the same thing. Sure. Turn two, you play, you either play something else, or Snapcast or whatever, you're not going to flash anything back with, or you play Rin's Prodigy, and on turn three, when you then flip it, because you will, because you're playing Thought Scours and all kinds of things like that, and, and, and uh, you know, fetch lands and whatnot, you'll flip it, and you'll flash back your Thought Seize on turn three for one mana. And like all of a sudden, your game is so much sweeter. Like that's that's a real thing you should be doing. Well, but on turn three, yes, yes, and you have the one drop, and you can play a two drop. I'm not, I'm not saying Jace isn't good, and, and and I think you should play both. Is what I'm basically recommending. Yeah. I think what the real deck needs is it needs a focused game plan, and I think Saltai is the best Delirium deck in possibly in modern. Yeah, I think the fact that with the new search for as 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 Catan, I think that is what it is. As the blue, the blue, as Canta, the blue, the blue flip enchantment. Uh, so that is, was going to be my number two right, is for very cards powerful. to add. Right. And, right. And then you add the ability to either off of Snapcaster Mage or Jace, and I think you want both uh, because I think you want variety here, to flashback traverse the Ulvenwald is extremely powerful. Being able to play Thought Scour and being able to play Grim Flare as bigger threats in this deck is very powerful. And and you can decide which, if you want to play, go a Grixis Death Shadow way, where you're, or a Death Shadow way, where you're playing Death Shadows as your other main and main thing, playing Tarmogoyf. There's different ways you can kind of pick your threat density, but I think the Delirium game plan on the other sides of those cards does a lot of powerful things. Now, the problem is, is that because Graveyard Hate is so strong in the format right now, does that limit what the deck's able to do? Yeah, I, I think it does a little bit. I think a lot of the best things you're talking about are extremely graveyard dependent in a way that the other mid-range decks aren't. But I do think that this is a great opportunity to play a Traverse deck. Probably this is a, a perfectly reasonable deck to play two copies of Bitter Blossom in with the Jaces so you could discard one of them early to turn on your Delirium like immediately. Like having Just having those as possible cards to throw into your graveyard seems totally reasonable. Uh, not to mention they're good on turn two. So I think this plays more like a control deck than a mid-range deck. That's sure. that's what I think. And I think the last thing to consider adding here, and this is just a personal opinion thing, I've been talking about this a lot recently, is look at the green delve spells and figure and figure out, like, so I know that Mandrels is not better than the black ones. They're better, they're bigger. But I do think that Trample's underrated. And then more interestingly is if you're going to have, you're going to have tokens or you're going to have, like, and, you know, just whatever you're, you're crushing through with, what maybe it's Creeping Tar Pit, maybe try out, like, one or two copies of become immense in this deck because i think if you're trying to grind it out and strip your opponent's hand there's something to be said for just like six damage out of the blue this is a really good delve deck and that sure. card people think about that card as an all-in stompy or an infect card when in reality it's just a it's just a one mana burn spell in the right situation like that's what it is it's it's six damage for one green in most situations and you don't have to be playing it in an infect deck for that to be good you know, most control decks would love to have one red, six damage to the dome, right? Like, sure. So I think that's an interesting card that people don't, pe you don't want to play more than probably two, maybe even just I think one. Play one, yeah. But I think it's a pretty clever one of. No, and and, a, and it on a Grim Flayer. There's a bunch of things in this deck that I think that would work well with because you're putting stuff in your graveyard and then you have the ability to then pump things that have trample. I think exactly. Grim Flayer is just better than Tooting Mandrels. 
Uh, I think the trample you're looking for, it provides, it becomes a 4-4 very quickly in what this deck is trying to do. And if you really want to go on the Delve plan, playing with, A, Delve is bad with Delirium. They don't really get along. True. Uh, and and yes, if with Become Immense and you're just killing a person, I'll take killing a person to Delve some stuff away. But um, with Gooding Mandrels, if you're playing black, I don't think you either want the beef of being a one-drop 5-5 five five or a one-drop 4-5 that has an extra ability, or you want Grim Flare that just is going to do more because it lets you put more stuff into your graveyard and lets you cycle and lets you kind of stack the top of your deck. I mean, not to mention the fact that, you know, Tassiger is built to be an Assault Eye deck, like <laughs> through and through and through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's literally <laughs> those colors. Um, so let's move on to the last one. Sure. Let's, let's move on to our final color combination. And this is, I think, the, the, the one worst the, color in modern. And seemingly the, the, the color combination people are the most excited about talking about. There's so much buzz on that group. There's. <laughs> somebody posted a thread in the last day or two about mardu and i checked this morning and there was like 168 comments people just want to talk about mardu yeah. i posted an episode on on uh, 10 minutes of modern yesterday and it got like a significantly larger number of listens sure. than most things do people want to talk about mardu so let's first let's first and foremost identify exactly what's missing in mardu and I, this one i've talked about a lot so i'll just launch straight into it we talk about the black-green X decks. We talk about the two-drop power that you get in green and what Tarmogoyf and Scavenging Ooze and Grim Flare and the cards like that give you. Mm -hmm. What this deck is ultimately missing, because it has all of the interaction in the, in the colors, right? It has great one-drop interaction between, between Thoughtseize, Abrupt or Thoughtseize, Fatal Push, Lightning Bolt, Path to Exile. It has the best, it has the best not, even, not even getting the sideboards, it has the best removal. It has great interaction, tons of interaction. Yep. The problem is Linger the deck doesn't top of it. have the threats. Right. It's missing the two-drop threats that push it into the next chapter of what would be good. And so let's just go over what, what are some of the best options you can be playing in the two-drop slot in a Mardu deck. The most popular one is Young Pyromancer. That's the one that people try the most. True. And and the problem with Young Pyromancer, and this is my problem whenever it comes up as the fifth two-drop, the red one, is like it's actually – it's powerful, but it's not that powerful. It's yeah. not something – like you have to deal with it once it comes into play, but if you don't, and but if you have any type of blocker, you just kind of win. And it's not doing enough in the deck than it wants to. I think that it's just not enough raw power. If I were to pick anything, I'd pick Death Shadow over, over it and or other con combinations of colors. The one nice thing is it does go really well with stuff like Lingering Souls. I agree. Um, it plays well with Lingering Souls, and I definitely think that there are... I mean, there were versions of Pyromancer decks that you could have made work here with well, and, Gitaxian Probe, but Probe's gone. <laughs> right, and then uh, on the 28th, uh, there was a competitive Modern League, so the just a you know, five-man, whatever. But the the Mardu deck that placed, it's the one Mardu deck currently that's placed recently, had... Two Monastery Swift Spears, four Young Pyromancer, four Bedlam Reveler, and then Burst Lightning, Faithless Looting, Forked Bolt, Bolt Inquisition of Kozilek, Lightning Bolt, Lingering Souls, Culligan's Command. So it was just literally just using all of the removal and spells that this has ability on main deck Blood Moon. Uh, with the fact that Young Pyromancer and Bedlam Reveler and Monastery Swift Spear let you kind of chain those and take a real right. advantage of it. So it was really a almost a Jeskai-feeling black-red deck. So the other card that it's missing the most that would be great is Stoneforge Mystic. <laughs> Stoneforge Mystic, I think, to me, is the that's the card that would make Mardu... Like, I think if Stoneforge Mystic got unbanned, I think Mardu would immediately become, it would just immediately become a deck. I, I think it becomes a deck. I don't think it... Do I'd think, be interested. Think it, I think, think it might it, have a similar problem that like we kind of discussed with Saltai, where because Saltai has access to Tarmogoyf, Snapcaster Mage, and, yep. and and Bob, but 
you know, the, the issue there is, does it take advantage of those cards better than other colors? I don't know if Mardu would over Stoneforge Mystic. Which gets the bigger boost, Mardu or Esper, if Stoneforge Esper. gets unbanned? Stoneforge Mystic is much better with Counter Magic than it is with Sorcery Speed stuff. So yep. the fact that you can play Snapcaster Mage and then hold up Counter Magic and then flash something in at the end of turn, or you can... Um, Hold up mana, or once you get uh, Feast and Fam in the play, you can start untapping your lands to keep counter magic up. It just does more things at instant speed, and Mardu doesn't take advantage of that as well. Uh, not to mention, not to say that Mardu wouldn't be good with Stoneforge Mystic, and I think it would place more than it currently is for sure, uh, but I think the choice there is harder. Um, yeah. Gotcha. Um, so then let's talk about the other options that would fit into a Mardu deck. There's the, there is a. Uh, Wow, what's the glory chaser glory bound glory bound initiate is that the name the, that's the the one the three one that if you exert it it becomes a four four, four, four with life link yeah because somebody had tried playing a version of that in modern so i think it was an esper deck people were messing around with that card in uh it was and it was supposed to somebody like a like place there was like a top eight at a grand prix and somebody was playing an yeah, esper no, deck it's, with it. it's, it's in some play and the reason was because it mitigated the life loss that you would experience from you know bob and from um painful truths you draw a ton of cards and I definitely think that there are, there's probably space to explore with a Mardu deck in, in terms of trying out different two drops. I think people probably haven't been as creative as they should be. So Glorybound Initiate is definitely another one to consider. Um, but to me, that's the big one, is that I think if you could figure out the correct combination of two drops to fit into the deck, then I do think Mardu could, could rise up the ranks. Because the interaction in Mardu is so strong that it's hard to not look at it and just say, like, how do you lose when you can play this many pieces of like incredible hand disruption and burn and removal and i think that might be one of its biggest issues is it doesn't have a good way to draw into that content bob being the best one probably yeah, right and so that's an issue but i also think people probably overplay the good removal they have available when you have so many good choices as far as removal goes and so low of threat density yeah. you run into a problem where you really have an issue it is the color combination i also think that is most hurt by not having a good man land like it, it, your choices are the black red one, which I do think is a little underrated. I've like wrecked people with that card, but the it's white, also the, not the, good. The white black one's fine. <laughs> the white black one is fine, but it's not gonna. It's like a stabilizing man land, not a I'm gonna kill you man land. And the the black white, black white red black, black. Uh, white red. White red. The no, double strike one. The double strike one is bad. Yeah, it's too expensive. Too expensive. It's too expensive, doesn't kill him quick enough, and it dies to everything. So, like, your three man land choices are all not able to raise you above the level you need to be raised above. And so because of that, it kind of just is stuck in this, like, I my late game, if I run out of spells because of my removal spells, I have no way to kill them. So, like, the, the parody that Jund thrives on where it wants to be top decking because every land it draws is also a threat doesn't exist for the deck. And on top of that, it doesn't have any creatures really that do well at killing people because it doesn't have Tarmogoyf. It has Death Shadow, which it can get away with. It has Young Pyromancer, but we've discussed that the token strategy is, seems to be weaker than people give it credit for. And the reason Abzan does so well with token strategy is because it goes both ways. You know, yeah. we've always said you want to be able to, one of the strengths of Affinity is this as well, you want to be able to pivot between doing a piercing strategy or a wide strategy, and if the only thing Mardo has available to it is just, I'm going to go wide, it, it loses the value of being able to pivot. Yeah, I also think you can you can find like a super super interesting point of view if you look at the white red prison decks because I basically feel like if I think about what I want if I'm playing this color combination, you actually don't get that much by playing black. You're better off stripping your deck of the extra removal, 
the Dark Confidants and the Hand Disruption and just playing a white-red prison deck. Sure. Because it, it's the same mid-range strategy. You get to play cards like a, a Johnny Vengeance that you would want to play anyway, but instead of playing like Hand Disruption, you're playing Chalice of the Void, and you're playing Blood Moon, and all of a sudden you can... And that's better. That's just a better use of a mid-range deck that's playing white and red than I think Mardu. Right. So, you know, I think what it really comes down to is you, you need to have a faster clock. You need to have a, something better that's going to support all of your 16 pieces of interaction you're probably playing in the main deck, you know? Mm-hmm. I think that's what Mardu ultimately needs to break through. Yeah, I agree. Um, so what do you, which of these three decks do you expect six months from now to be on the radar as a top-tier deck? What's the most likely? In six months? Yeah. I think Saltai is the closest to doing it right now. I think Mardu has had decent showings recently, so it's possible. And I think Gifts was very much benefited by the Planeswalker rule change. So they all have different reasons to kind of do well. My reasoning for why I think Salty is having problems is Graveyard Hate. I don't think that's going away. Uh, so it's between Mardu and... And I'm assuming no on bannings that affect either, any of these three. Um, I'm going to go with Mardu. I think it has the most... It, it has... Of these three, it can do something different. Like, there are just... Someone might come up with some combo deck or an Aristocrats deck or doing something different with the color combination. This Bedlam Reveler, Young Pyromancer yeah. Spell Prowess deck uh, uh, that just does something different than what the other color combinations are doing because that's really the point. A lot of what we described is doing the same but differently, and you need to find a benefit from doing the same and differently. Exactly. But, like, I've described 100... You know, we've, we've talked about with when we did the, the five colors and we were wrong when we didn't mention Storm with Red, but Red is so good at combos that the, a... Uh, Grizzle brand deck that is taking advantage of Mardu colors versus Grixis or other color combinations could just show up. Uh, you know, there's just different things Mardu could be doing that are really powerful, and it has just the best removal. And there's always going to be new threats that printed, but there's not going to be new removal that's printed yep. very often. The chances of getting a fatal push level card level card is so much lower than getting a Tomogoyf level card. Yeah, I would agree. Um, well, actually, no, that's not really true. Tar- both I mean, Tarmogoyf is obviously the that's top a, end of that. That's a, that's a tough like, example. Yeah, like a Grim Flare level card. Gr- yeah, like, Grim yeah, Flare. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, think about the amount of two drop threats or even one drop threats. Like, look at the you know the Delve cards. Look at you know, right. the, there's a bunch of new threats that keep getting printed. If you look at the threat base five years ago and the threat base now, totally different. If you look at the removal base five years ago versus now, it's like basically Fatal Push is the no difference. no no. I mean, there is increase like Fatal Push, Call Against Command, and Collective Brutality, but all of those are in Mardu. So like, and only one of those is a true staple. Four of what what Mardu is missing is a threat, and there are a ton of different ways for Mardu to get a threat printed into it. It's not missing removal spells, and it has the best of the removal suite available. So I don't by see far. It, yeah, I don't see that being an issue for it. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, I think I agree with you. My answer to that question, if you were to ask me the same one, would have to be Sultai, um, and it's I'm, it's close to Esper because I think that the code to crack on Esper is a Walker's deck. and We don't have a dominant Walker's deck in modern right now. It's hard to believe that you, with, with the ch- rules change and they continue printing these Planeswalkers that eventually somebody's not going to just like strike gold with like an eight Planeswalker all interaction deck. Yeah, I, I think I think Esper and Saltai are both on the verge of just being there yeah. already. I think like Saltai got, you know, we just were a GP away from one of them doing well, where like Saltai got at, uh, as Kanta and it, yeah. it got other things. And then, and then Esper got the Planeswalker rule change. And I think Mardu is the closest from just getting a card printed that just 
puts it into the top tier. Yeah, I think so. My final answer there would have to be Sultai. And the biggest reason for me saying Sultai is that what I was saying on here about playing Vryn's Prodigy and the Azkanta card, I think that's just good now. I think, like, the the stuff that, you know, you said Todd was writing about, like, I think that that stuff is all really interesting, and I think there's space to play in, and it feels like it's taking advantage of the things in Modern that are powerful already. It doesn't feel like it's far from it, and I could start to just see... They're, they're, what, what we're missing for the Sultai deck to break through is somebody has to figure out an interaction that is predatory to the metagame that is coming specifically from a Sultai deck. Like an interaction between a blue card and a green card. You know, the interaction that you're getting. Something something like a a combo we didn't realize was accessible by playing like Snapcaster and Traverse or something like that. Sure. Where you're like, oh, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to slice these eight cards from over here that are a little counterintuitive, but it's particularly good against the metagame and it locks my opponent out and that catches on and all of a sudden that's the thing. I think that's how it would become a tier one deck is like somebody would figure out at least for right now in this metagame, this interaction is worth doubling down on. I mean, it has the second best uh, tutor in the format, if not the Tra- best. Traverse? Yeah. Yeah, it's pretty good. I think, I think uh, and I always forget the name of it because I'm tired. Core uh, Calling? Core Calling is the best tutor in the format. Yeah, or yeah. Creature tutor, They're, I guess, they're I different, guess. but yeah, I, I, I'll, I'll give it to you. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's an interesting place to be, and I'm excited to see if any of them kind of make it. Yeah. So I think that pretty much does it. I think that pretty much wraps up our discussion of those three uh, color combinations. Uh, as always, guys, thanks for listening to 10 Minutes of Modern here on Anchor. This is not 10 Minutes of Modern. Yeah, no, Anchor. that was wrong. That was that's there. that was a subtle... Was that a Freudian slip or a subtle plug? That was definitely a Freudian slip. That oh, was, wow. I, that was, I'm tired. You didn't catch it earlier, but when you introduced the station, the podcast, you just stole my line. I do that now. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. It's a good line. Yeah, good. Thank you. I think. Um, <laughs> I'm, uh, yeah, I'm tired. Depends like, wait, you complimented me. What? <laughs> this is t- this is definitely the Masters of Modern podcast, not 10 Minutes of Modern. Yes. And thank you for listening because you guys are what keep us in business. Yeah. And, and you know, as Ben subtly put it, make sure to check out his anchor station. He does 10 Minutes of Magic really every day. anchor station. Uh, something he's going to start doing also is uh, taking his favorite video, uh, favorite little thing from uh, every day yep. and uh, start posting it onto the YouTube channel that we kind of were posting on before and we need to be better at it. And this is, I think, a cool way for we to start posting content there. So that's another place to go check it out. And also people had asked for a while about why I wasn't uh, posting the episodes to the podcast feed and I was lazy and the last two or three weeks I've done it now again and it's been glorious and people have seem to have loved it because they can go back and they can listen to old episodes right. and it's available. They publish it through an RSS feed. It's, it's available through google play and through the apple store and all that all that stuff Mm -hmm. so you can find it everywhere and once again make sure to go think geek check out emerging genesis look up for a super party battle follow us on twitter i'm at kess wiley i'm at ben bateman media at the mm cast make sure to check out our sister podcast the command zone they are at the command cast on twitter but you can find both of us at collected.company uh not like at symbol collected.company but the website www.collected.company you can have a website with a dot company instead of a dot com at the end pretty cool who knew yeah uh and and make sure to check out the Patreon. It is how we do all of this. It's how the equipment we have is owned. It's how, you know, we're, we're, our next step is we're going to invest in equipment because we travel so much and we missed so many episodes this last month. We've taken a real hard look and see how to do this uh, while both of us are traveling. So the next step for us is to get equipment to do that. Uh, so we really appreciate any donations on there. Uh, we will talk to you guys next week. Uh, have fun watching the Pro Tour. I'm super excited, even though it's not modern, it's standard, but let's see how they do. Uh, and we'll talk to you guys next week. All right, guys.
Thank you for your attention. See you later, alligator.